the postseason push is back on after the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I can't even do it. Uh, Minnesota Wild start the second half with a two to one win over the Chicago Blackhawks. As much as it was fun to see Philip Gustafson play well, Vinny Letary have a big impact on the outcome. What on earth? was that from the top six for the Minnesota Wild here tonight. We'll talk about all that and more on tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast. Let's get it fired up. You are Locked On Wild postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Minnesota Wild pick up a 2-1 to one win over the Chicago Blackhawks to start off the second half of the season. And tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is officially underway. Thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us for a late one here tonight because this game didn't get done until 1130, which is awesome considering that it was two Central Division teams that were playing uh, in this one tonight. Uh, Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So, yeah, great win for the Minnesota Wild here tonight. Honestly, why is it that my first reaction goes to the fact that that was one of the more quiet performances that you'll see from the entire top six? It wasn't one line or the other. It was the entirety of the top six from this team tonight. And okay, let's let me try to gather my thoughts here because I'm just, I'm going to be bouncing all over the place with this one. First off, how many times have we seen this season? A good start. And by that, I mean, we saw on full display how bad the Chicago Blackhawks are um, by what they did in the first half. The only shot that they had on goal in that first period was a 100-footer from Nick Foligno. And yet the Wilds carried a one nothing lead into the second period because, as we have seen countless times this year, the Wilds have been fairly good at taking early leads, but they have made it almost an art form in not being able to take a one nothing lead and expand it to two. You have Kirill Kaprizov with a breakaway opportunity, not able to finish on it because Peter Morazic makes a decision before Kirill did. And so you have that opportunity that uh, that doesn't cash in. You got Ryan Hartman who tries to go top shelf and he ends up going too high over the net for another opportunity. The Minnesota Wild have turned not being able to take one nothing into 2 nothing into an art form this year. And that was on full display in the second period. Chicago slowly started to turn the tide in their favor. And the Blackhawks were able to tie things up at one apiece. Heading into the third period, I was fully expecting to see Chicago take the lead 
and for a large majority of the roster to move into feeling sorry for themselves mode as Chicago came away with a 3-1 to win after an empty net goal. Marcus Foligno scored on a nice feed from uh, Vinny Letary, and the Wilds ended up winning 2-1. to But, like, you shouldn't... You shouldn't have you shouldn't have to just grind out a game like this against a team that is as bad as Chicago is. And I just I ended up laughing at the end of the game because Chicago in like the final 60 seconds kind of looked up and realized we uh, we better not try too much to come away with the win because they are in greater good mode. Um, they're trying for the number one overall pick. They're fighting with San Jose for the number one overall pick. And so, yes, they made this a competitive game, kind of. But then at the end of the day, they were like, hey, we better make sure, we better make sure that we don't do something we're going to regret. And so I look forward to seeing reaction to this saying, team gutted out a win, team got themselves back on track postseason pushes back on like we didn't learn anything from a game against the Chicago Blackhawks in which you fight for your life to come away with a win um if anything like I'm just gonna read you I'm just going to read you the um the scouting report the stat sheet on what we saw from the top six guys here tonight because just just unbelievable so matt boldy 14 minutes 23 seconds tonight two shots on goal two giveaways jewel erickson four shots on net in 19 minutes seven seconds two blocked shots three hits uh, Ryan Hartman, two shots on goal in 17 minutes and three seconds. Uh, he was also a plus one. Hartman was also three of 15 in the faceoff circle in this one today, um, which is which is not great. Marcus Johansson had two shots on goal in 16 minutes, 48 seconds of time on ice. Kirill Kaprizov had three shots on net and a takeaway in 20 minutes, 50 seconds of ice time. Folks, Matt Zuccarello did not record a shot in 18 minutes, 21 seconds of time on ice. He did block two shots. He had a hit. He had a takeaway and a giveaway. Um, Absolutely, like, invisible game from the top six in this one. And this is a game... With no Connor Bedard, this is a game that your top six should dominate pretty freely if they are indeed playing well. Like, you should come out here, you should set the tone, and like, it, it just, it, it is amazing to me that we continue to get the. We continue to get the one side of the brain 
talking about how, you know, like John Hines literally said it today that we're in the point in the season in which everybody needs to understand the urgency. Everybody needs to understand the opportunity that exists for them to be able to rise up and seize it and to string a bunch of wins together to get yourself back into a wild card spot. John Hines literally said it today. And you have six guys at the top of your lineup that slept in because they just got back from vacation yesterday. Like, we still, we, in game 50 of the season, there still are so many guys on this team that just still treat this like it's game one of the season. It just gives me, it gives me a headache every, every single game. And I, I know well enough. I'm seeing in the comments, like people wondering how I can be amazed by this. I know well enough after having watched this for 50 games, the thing that gets irritating is continuing to hear the same rhetoric about this being a like, Hey, let's, let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Let's turn this into a, let's, let's get the postseason push going. I can see the eye rolls without even seeing the faces. Like this team still is treating this like game one of the season. Like there are no real repercussions. And so that's why I continue to not believe that a postseason pushes is even possible. Even after they said in the broadcast after the game, don't look now, but the Minnesota wild are only five points out of a playoff spot. This is how it's going to be the entire rest of the season is despite drawing that line in the sands. This is how it's going to be every day. It's going to be a slow crawl, um, a, a slow crawl to the finish line. You are Peter Weller at the beginning of RoboCop. You get rustled up by a... Um, you get you get rounded up by the bad guys and they pull out the shotguns and they start having a little fun. They blow both hands off. They blow your feet off, part of your legs off, and then they just leave you there. And you are like, hey, I can still I can still make it. I can make it back to the station. And you just start crawling. And instead of the director doing what most directors in that situation would do and panning the camera to something else. You just focus on that for like six hours. Just is the slowest, the slowest crawl to the end credits. And I was hoping that I could last longer than this before getting my first Peter Weller RoboCop reference in this season but it only lasted the game 50 so i'm a little disappointed there but this is just where this team is at like th this is 
this has happened 15 times this season already where you beat a team below you in the standings and people are like, eh, you know, you string a couple more games like this together. Um, and then, then you go play somebody that is actually like a competent team and you just get smoked. Like it just, it just has never changed. Now, I don't want to dwell. I don't want to dwell on the negative because it makes my head hurt. Philip Gustafson was good in this one tonight. Philip Gustafson was good. He had some crazy saves that he made. The one where he kicked his leg out to uh, be able to um, make the save. Vinny Letary coming back after injury was another impact player on this roster. Marcus Foligno had arguably the highlight of the game with that fight against Tenorti, but literally to a man, every single player in that top six, just beyond invisible. And so you can thank your lucky stars that you played the Chicago Blackhawks tonight because you put forth an effort like this against most anybody else in the league and you lose four to one. So good for us that we ended up playing the uh, Chicago Blackhawks here tonight. Beyond that, I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you say about Chicago at this point? They are just really, really bad. Like, (laughs) they're just, they're just a mess without their franchise player. And so again, you you got Chicago in this one, and so that's your that's your ease back into it. That's the Monday at work after you are off on vacation for a week. You don't schedule any meetings. You tell your boss you're just going to go through your emails for the day. That's all you have on your plate. And so at the end of the day, you're feeling pretty good. You're like, hey, I got a lot done today. But then you look in the mirror the next day and you're like, I only went through like 30 emails. Yeah, it's uh, you can't really you can't take anything really constructive or positive away from this game. I mean, they won. But beyond that, like, I feel like if anything, there were just far more problems with what we saw in uh, in this one tonight than uh, what we saw from a good perspective. Uh, so we'll continue to go through because we had the Tony Snell game for a member of the uh, Minnesota wild here tonight. And what I mean by that, Tony Snell, an NBA player who had a, a game in which he played 28 minutes and did not record a single stat on the stat sheet. Not a single statistical accomplishment in 28 minutes. Minnesota Wild had somebody do that here tonight, so we'll tell you who. As well as taking your comments. All that coming up as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild. Tonight's postcast, even, of Locked on Wild. Minnesota Wild beat Chicago 2-1. to Hooray. More to come after this. Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday has a few key objectives. Finding a good spot to watch the game, whether it be at a Super Bowl party or just from your own living room. Securing the ultimate food, the ultimate snacks, the ultimate Super Bowl munchies to get you through the rest of the game. And scoring some elite Super Bowl bets. All of those are the big things to get taken care of on Super Bowl Sunday. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with the W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Plus, new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Tonight's Locked on Wild postcast is also brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data and a matching engine, that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Minnesota Wild pick up a two to one win over the Chicago Blackhawks. The playoff chase is back on Stanley Cup. Here we uh No, I'm kidding. Again, big takeaway from tonight is that. You know, if it's anybody other than Chicago, it's probably not a win. Like if if you're going to beat teams that actually are in the conversation in the Western Conference, you just have to be so much better than uh, what was seen in this game tonight. And look, Chicago, very young, very inexperienced and guys playing uh, bigger roles than they're probably accustomed to that they probably should be playing (laughs) sounds familiar awfully familiar so i i teased before the break the wild had their own version of the tony snell game freddie goudreau tonight ladies and gentlemen 14 minutes 50 seconds of ice time no goals No assists, no shots, no shots missed, no blocks, no penalties, no hits, no takeaways, one giveaway. I think if this wasn't, if you didn't already think this, 
I think Freddie Goudreau is the worst extension of the bunch. If you didn't already think that, and I think we've probably been at that point for a while, but I think Freddie Goudreau's deal is the worst of the extensions that Bill Guerin has handed out since he took over. And frankly, I don't think it's close. You're talking about a guy who made his heyday by being the third member of the hockey lines that we have come to appreciate. Kirill Kaprizov, or um, Kevin Fiala, Freddie Goudreau, Matt Boldy from two years ago. Freddie Goudreau was the third wheel of that line. Loved that line. We loved everything that we saw from that combination. Last year, Freddie Goudreau was part of the Matt Boldy combination, uh, again, with Marcus Johansson. That combination played relatively well. You know, now that I say it, I don't think that's actually the case. I think I'm misremembering because it was actually Erickson Eck and Johansson and Boldy that played well before Erickson Eck got hurt. Freddie Goudreau just ended up with 19 goals last season because Dean played him in the top six almost the entire season. So I stand corrected. But two years ago, it was Freddie Goudreau, Matt Boldy, Kevin Fiala. Loved that combination. Thought that it was the next big thing. And then this year, um, folks, Freddie Goudreau has eight points total in his last 26 games. He had one point in the month of January. But yeah, go right ahead and lock him into a five-year deal. The AAV is not a problem. I've, I've been fought on this on Twitter in the past. The AAV is not the issue with Freddie Goudreau. It's the fact that he's signed for five years as a guy who was kind of an unknown coming in. And so there were two ways that this could go. You get these two seasons in which Goudreau scores 40 points and then has 19 goals last season. You can either take the sensible approach there and say, okay, this is probably the best we're going to get from this guy. This is probably the height of his abilities. Or you can say, oh, this is just the beginning. This is just the start for Freddie Goudreau. And you can lock him into a five-year five extension. I wish that we simply would have waited on that one. But yeah, he was Dean's guy. Dean Evison wasn't going anywhere. So you got to have your Swiss Army knife with Dean Evison, your top six center, your shootout specialist, your everything you need. Well, turns out when the coach is no longer here, the guy that gave you every opportunity that every opportunity you could possibly handle. Turns out when your coach isn't there, you don't get a lot of those opportunities. And we are we're seeing painfully well a guy who just kind of doesn't really feel like he has a fit on this team right now. And I no, you can't I cannot subscribe to the theory that 
the contributions just are are in different areas. I can't subscribe to the brings more to the table than simply points and goals because you have you have tons of those guys on this team that supposedly bring more than points and goals. And guess what you need at the bottom line is points and goals. And you just, you're not getting it. And so I'm putting Freddie Goudreau at the top of the list in terms of bad contracts for this team. He's at the top of my list. Now the other one, and I actually, since I did this for Freddie Goudreau, I now want to do this for Marcus Johansson. Johansson, uh, I talked about this in the pregame today, so I'll reiterate. Johansson had four points in January. All four of them were goals. Four goals in a calendar month in 14 games is good. That's that's not bad. But what is bad is this. In those 14 games, Marcus Johansson had one or fewer shots in 10 of them. One or fewer. And in tonight's game, he had two shots. But I'll tell you what, he had two other instances in which he had an opportunity to drive to the net and try to get something going on um, on Mrazek. Passed up the opportunity. Like, you want to talk about how many guys there are on this team that do that quite regularly? Um. There, there are so many guys that just pass up opportunities. So, like, you, you just, you need more. Like, how about this? How about instead of we have to be better, how about specifically saying we need more? We need more from specific guys. We need more from our top six. You shouldn't have to claw your way through a game against the Chicago Blackhawks, who are trying to lose. You shouldn't. You just shouldn't. Like, but hey, this this is still this is still the core. This is still the group. This is the group that Billy likes. This is the one that is going to get it done. Still believes in this team. Still believes in the capability of this team to make a postseason push. Still believes that this team is capable of contending against the best teams in the West. I don't see a Western Conference contender here in the state of Minnesota. I don't. Enough. Enough for me. Enough for me. Um, let's get to the comments here tonight. That's that's what we that's that's what we line up here. That's what we like. That's what sets these postcasts apart from everybody else's postgame reaction is hearing from you. And so let's go to the comments here. We'll start with Diane joining us tonight. Did the top line play? Guess I missed it. I am told they were out there, but combined shots for the top line tonight. 
Ryan Hartman had two. Kirill Kaprizov had three. Matt Zuccarello had zero. And how about this as well? The shot total. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Wild had 15 shots in the first period, right? They finished the game with 25. So you had 10 shots in the second and the third period. This this is a common problem for this team is that if they aren't getting everything to go their way, they have a real problem dealing with that. And it definitely reared it definitely reared its ugly head in this game tonight. Like Peter Morazic was good, but um how are you able to not finish on even a fraction of the opportunities that you had? But there's a very large finishing problem with this team. And it's not just it's not just the guys who are playing in top six roles that aren't necessarily skilled players. It's the skill guys too. Like they're, they're just as a, a team wide lack of being able to finish shots for goals that has plagued this team all season. Trevor joining us tonight. Boldy needs to have his picture. Oh, here, this is the other one. Somebody file a missing persons report on Matt Boldy. Uh, should we do the, uh, should we do the shot history for Matt Boldy here for the um, month of January? So Matt Boldy had six shots against Anaheim, five against Nashville, two against Washington, one against Carolina. So let's let's do fewer than three shots, three or more or fewer than three. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games of the 14. Boldy had three shots or more. So that means that in the others, in the other seven, he had fewer than three, which is two, one, or zero. I feel like, and this is something that Lou Nanny talks about quite regularly, is you should just have a number of shots that a guy is supposed to get. And if he doesn't get to that, there are ramifications. But I like you go back to that Tampa Bay game. How on earth does Boldy get through that entire game? And it was both Tampa Bay games. How does he get through the entirety of the Tampa Bay Lightning game with one shot on goal? Or in the case of the first loss to Tampa Bay on January 4th, how does he get through the entire game with no shots on goal? Like you need to you need to tell Boldy, you got to shoot the puck four times at minimum in this game. And if he doesn't, you sit him. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do here because Matt Boldy is not he's not being asked to be a defensive stalwart. He's not a defenseman. He's not being asked to be a defensive guy where you want him to shut down the best players on the opposing team. That's like a Marcus Foligno role. That's like a, I guess, Freddie Goudreau role. That's what those guys are asked to do. Matt Boldy is a scorer on this team. And so you need to set some sort of mark that you can easily follow up on 
with him. And it's the same thing for Kaprizov. Now, Kirill has had far fewer like Jekyll and Hyde swings. If we look at what he's done over the uh, the last month, um, he had in the month of January, and Kaprizov played half the month basically because of the injury. But he had three or more shots in one, two, three, four, five, six of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He had three or more shots in six of the eight games he played in January. So he's far less Jekyll and Hyde than Matt Boldy is. And so maybe that's a thing that only extends to Matt Boldy, but it'd be different if it was just Matt Boldy that was the issue. But you just you have these games with this top six in which as Alex, who's with us tonight, too, it's just cardio night like it's Wednesday night at the YMCA. You're hopping on the Peloton class, throwing in some tunes, and you're just going to go get lost for 30 minutes like we just need so much more. So much more and guess what i'm gonna say it i think having marco rossi with kirill kaprizov and matt zuccarello i think by rossi playing hard that kind of forces those two to play hard too and to match his effort level i don't know I'm I clearly know nothing because I'm not a coach. I'm just sitting here hosting a podcast. But I feel like we all see some pretty plain things with this team. And yet we continue to get the same thing on a nightly basis. Johansson and Freddie literally do nothing. Yeah, Alex, you're you're right on there. Mike joining us tonight. When Moose said he wanted Nick to join the Wild, they almost we all collectively almost did. I remember that pretty vividly in how aggressively the Minnesota Wild were. Like it's not it's not even that. Hey, if it works out, um, would love to have Nick Felino with the Wild. The Wild were aggressively pushing for it. And it ended up that he went to Boston. It was either Boston or Toronto. Um, I think it was Boston because if I recall correctly, it was in the off season that Nick went to Boston, and Boston offered slightly more money than the Wild could afford to. Otherwise, he would have come here for sure. Like the wild were aggressively trying to push to make that happen. And I would be remiss if I didn't vehemently oppose that. I do. That would have been just a bad. um, That would have been a bad, a bad decision by this team in a a regime that has been full of them uh, over the last few years. Bob joining us tonight. Hope you're well, Bob. We were so close to losing the game. Pylon John falling down on the job outside of the blue line. Thankfully, Lucini's swirl deflected. 
the uh, certain goal shot, slow Bogosian and Frosty, the slow man. Um, that was another thing, too, is Chicago is not full of skill by any reason. Um, but, man, did they look faster than the Wilds almost the entire night. Um, just, just not great. Like they, Chicago had, especially in that second period, they had numerous opportunities in which they were just flying right by and the wild just looked like they were standing still. I saw a comment and I'll get to it when I get to it. Talking about how I, how frustrated I appear to be with the win. I'm frustrated because I know what is coming. I know what is going to be in some circles. The response to a game like this is it's a win. This is it's two points. This team needed. Now you just got to string, keep stringing wings, wins together. Go beat Pittsburgh on Friday. I've seen this like 10 different times this year where you even get a sliver of optimism and then you just go get your faces caved in. And so I just I just would rather not see that process play out again for the 11th, 12th, 13th, 15th time this season. Like I just I I just would like for everybody to collectively understand what's happening here and to just treat the rest of the season as such as opposed to continuing to just push with reckless abandon towards something that is going to just not serve what we have put together as the greater good for the rest of the season. Freddie joining us tonight. One game winning streak, baby. We're back. We never left. Minnesota Wild never left. Dougie joining us tonight. Hartman is not a center. Get over it, Hines. So this is interesting, too, because I'll I'll throw this out for a take for the audience. I think in the offseason, you have to move on from one of Goudreau or Hartman for a couple of reasons. I'll explain my reasoning here. It's story time, even though it's it's well past midnight already. If you are going to create a spot for Murat Huznadinov, who can play center or can play wing, and you've got other guys that we anticipate here over the next year or two that will be available... And I think just from the sake that it would be sheer lunacy to take this group as constructed, shrug this year off as a one-off, and just go right back to swinging next year. I think this team is going to have to make some notable changes because if you are a team that is going to be serious about postseason contention every year, which is the MO of Craig Leopold and Bill Guerin, if you're a team that's going to be serious about making the postseason, what has happened this season cannot be acceptable. And even if you're a team that 
is not serious about postseason contention. You can't just shrug a season like this off. And so the two likeliest guys, I think, are probably Freddie Goudreau and Ryan Hartman. And I just I think we have seen just with what Marco Rossi has brought to the table, just how expendable a guy like Freddie Goudreau is because you don't need him to be you don't need him to be the reliable center to win you a faceoff to score a shootout goal because guess what? Jewel Erickson Eck does John Hines has gone to Jewel Erickson Eck for every important faceoff since he took over. So that spot is null and void for Freddie Goudreau. You don't need Freddie Goudreau for, for face-offs. You just use Jewel Erickson Eck, which makes infinite more sense anyway. So I think Freddie Goudreau has become expendable. And I would love to see an opportunity given to Murat for that roster spot. Then again, who's to say that Murat would even be able to get it? He'd probably have to come off the bench and earn it. Because for a team that has zero capability to add separator goals, thank God Adam Beckman didn't play tonight. Thank God we got Freddie Goudreau those 14 minutes in which he didn't shoot the puck once or the 16 and a half minutes that Marcus Johansson shot it twice. Thank God you didn't give Adam Beckman an opportunity to maybe rip five or six shots on net and maybe one of them goes in. I am beyond tired of the merit-based earn your time, earn your play, playing time is earned. You could make a case, you could make a compelling argument for 80% of the roster for this team this year being deserving of one or multiple games on the bench. So let's stop trying to turn this into a merit based system because you have there have been players that have sleptwalked through far more than just one game in which you could give that opportunity to Adam Beckman and credit to Jake Lucchini who scored tonight because Jake Lucchini has been a player who's been on my list a little bit here recently because of just spending minutes on the ice and not really impacting the game much so for tonight he did that tip of the cap there but like i just i I, (sighs) eight points in the last 26 games or four goals in the last five games you tell me which which has the better chance to score i don't know again maybe i'm wrong I feel like I keep screaming the same things over and over. So clearly they either aren't right or I don't know what I'm talking about because we just continue to see the same things on a nightly basis. Um, Bob again, carcass and Freddie skates, all the other passengers are these guys hooked on X locks their skate. They skate like their diapers are full. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was bad. Alex mentioning that, uh, this team just needs, and it's not like, it. it's not 
a top five pick per se. It's the talent infusion that you get the higher up the draft board you get. Like it's it's gonna take some real committed losing to get into a top five position for this wild team at this point. Because if we look at the tankathon standings as they stand right now, the wild are now in seventh place. They have the seventh worst point total in the NHL. They're one point behind Buffalo. They're seven points behind Ottawa. Although Ottawa has three games in hand. The big one is that they are seven points behind Columbus, who they have beaten twice this season. Um, Once, overtime loss at the beginning of the season. These, these games all melt together Um, by the time we get to game 50. I'm losing my mind here. But then, even beyond Columbus, Anaheim has 38 points. So the Wild are 11 clear there. And so you really need to try to keep as close to Ottawa as you can. But even if you stay in the top 10, like it's just provides you with an immediate infusion of talents and somebody who is way closer to being able to help you out than some of these other prospects in the 20s that this team has taken uh, quite regularly over these last few years. So that's the prize. That is what we are trying to attain is a top 10 pick that could help this team sooner than later. And with as much attention as has been thrown at the forwards, we'll be doing more research about this as we move through the rest of the season. Slow walk off the plank. Um. I'm of I'm of the mind that a defenseman makes a lot of sense because if you can get somebody that is similar in age to Brock Faber and pair those two up as kind of your next your next uh, changing of the guard with Brodine and Spurgeon, I I think that is something that would be valuable for this team because if you've got Danila Yurov, if you've got Murat Huznetdinov. You've got Liam Ugrin, who are all close as forward prospects. Um, go grab a defenseman and have have essentially a starting lineup that can be all ready to go um, within the within a couple of years of each other. That's what I'd like to do. But then again, a top ten player is a top ten player. If it ends up being a forward, if it ends up being a defenseman, either is fine at this point. Uh, Jeremy giving us our uh, first official trade capris of the night. So trade capris bit is um, is alive and well here tonight. Swiffer T, wet jet mop. Freddie was invisible. Only problem is this team doesn't have any other centers. Honestly, I would rather I would rather dive the bargain bin at this point. Um, than see what we continue to see with this team. Like you would be better. You'd probably get better production from somebody who comes into the organization and doesn't feel comfortable with having more than a one-year deal. I don't know, but everybody just has to play better. Denny, the captain is here. This win is an illusion. The wild barely beat the worst team in the league. 
hanging on for dear life to beat the worst team in the league does not um, does not make you any closer to a playoff team. Honestly, it probably puts you further away, if we're being honest. Dougie joining us too, and I'm glad he brought this up because this is something I wanted to address because, of course, this happened. Of course, this was announced after we recorded the pregame episode today. Doesn't appear that Maroon will be any little bit of a trade piece to sell out four to six weeks after back surgery. Um, Michael Russo tweeting out that theoretically Maroon could be ready to skate within the next couple of weeks. And so then you could have a uh, Gustav Nyquist situation in which Maroon is traded, but then does not play for the team until April or until, you know, the last few games of the regular season. That's got to be the hope at this point, because your options for who to sell, unless Bill Guerin really commits to trying to wait, roll his sleeves up and plunge his hands into the muck, unless he really commits to doing that, you're going to sell maybe three players. And honestly, it would not surprise me if until the last possible moment that he tries to be a buyer, <sighs> which is just foolish. It's incredibly foolish at this point. This team should be nowhere near buying, but good luck trying to convince anybody in the front office of that. Jeremy, at this point, are the Heartlanders the only team in the organization that has a real chance at the postseason? Probably. I heard the um, I heard the latest uh, skid for the Iowa Wild is something like two and twelve in their last fourteen games. It's amazing how much these types of things permeate all the way through the organization. In that, the Minnesota Wild have struggled with consistency and injuries. The Iowa Wild have struggled with injuries and consistency. It just, as much as the NHL level franchise either succeeds or doesn't, seems like the AHL team just says, hey, we want to do exactly what you guys are doing, and we're going to. Um, Denny predicting a 10-game losing streak. That would be about the best thing for this team to do, is to just lose and it could be it could be that they do that because as we talked about when we previewed the february schedule there are a lot of tricky games in february and so even optimistically saying four and seven two and nine is not out of the realm of possibility oh and eleven is not out of the realm of possibility and if you do that you're you are definitely out of the running. Although I guess to be fair, at least we don't have as weird of a record as the Seattle Kraken do right now. 21, 19, and 10. 21, 19, and 10 for the Seattle Kraken. That's that's yuck. That's real bad. As Bob notes here, uh Brendan Dillon. You may remember him from his uh, run-in with Kirill Kaprizov in which every Winnipeg Jets fan that existed told me that that was just a clean play. Was suspended for three games for a uh, hit to the head 
against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I didn't see reaction from Jets fans to that play, but I would imagine that it's still um, I would imagine that it was still somewhere in the that's just clean hockey type um, reaction. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see because the wild do play the Winnipeg Jets, I believe, in March or no, they play them here in February. I would imagine that will be a loss, probably five or six to one, but um, not uh, not great. As Denny also notes, it was announced today. Rumors are circulating that Bill Guerin will be the uh, general manager for the. What are they calling this thing that uh, Bill Guerin is going to be part of here? Let me find the tweet so that I uh, get it correct because it's uh, it's the new thing that they are going to be doing um, for the All-Star Game, the uh, Four Nations face-off, I think is what, uh, what it was called. And... Uh, Wow, this is this makes for great radio. Here it is. Look for Minnesota Wild general manager Bill Guerin to be named the GM of Team USA for the 2025 Four Nations face-off and to be named general manager for the 2026 United States Olympic team in Italy. Congrats, Billy G, for uh, those honors. Hopefully the rosters for both are filled with immense amounts of grit. And uh, hopefully they are more successful than the current Minnesota Wild roster. But uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, I don't mean to throw this out there in jest, but if this continues, it's possible that Bill Guerin will only have one GM job by the time he is general manager of the 2026 Olympic team. How would that be to be just former Minnesota wild GM and also general manager of the uh, 2026 Olympic team? But that's like, that's the trajectory that we're on here. Folks is that as this steam continues to tread downhill, stranger things have happened. Um, Paul Fenton was fired less than a year into his tenure. And I know there was a lot more behind the scenes things that happened there, but what have you done for me lately is very much a key factor in a lot of different sports decisions that are made. Um, And so if this team continues to stink and there doesn't seem to be any sort of light at the end of the tunnel or any hope to pull out of it. You never know. And then it could be, uh, it could be former Minnesota wild general manager, Bill Guerin, who is also um, general manager for the Olympic team. Back to the comments. The fourth line was the best line tonight, and that should never happen against a team like Chicago, especially after a 10-day break. It just, it, it again, you miss the bus. 
you as a team collectively missed the bus for a game that you absolutely had to have, and you barely could be bothered to get off of the um, off the mat for that type of a game. Um, yeah, not, 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 not great. We're at an interesting point with Matt Boldy, as Mike brings up here. Um, I just don't think Boldy fits here. He's got trade value, no clauses, a one-for-one right shot, right wing would do us a lot of good. Um, I like, I keep trying to tell myself that Matt Boldy is young. Um, but the thing that he, the first thing, first and foremost, that he is going to need to figure out and quickly is consistency. Like you're not going to score every game, but there are differences for him in the games that he is actively trying to attack the net and the games like tonight in which the shots come from the perimeter and you just don't really drive the play at all. He needs to really get that figured out. Like that would be the next um, objective for him is to get the consistency portion nailed down. Cinerary says trade him. He looks like this is he looks like this in 70% of his games. Trade him before the rest of the league gets wise. I will die on this horse. He's not going to get less lazy with age. Most people don't. I mean Tell me in the comments right now. Trade Boldy or keep him. Sell on him before he really starts to suck. Steam has given up. Hines is not the answer. It you know it's funny because I think we really tried to give the benefit of the doubt um, to John Hines and look at what has happened since doing the same things now. Like if you're a vet, you play. It's maybe not the same guys that it was with Dean, but if you're a vet, you play. If you're a rookie, you sit. And the we've gone from the grit with Dean Evison to the attention to detail with John Hines. And I think that was paramount in Bill Guerin's decision was bringing in a guy who was going to try to do basically the exact same things that Dean did, maybe just slightly different. Ultimately, ultimately, I don't think John Hines is the coach to get this team to the postseason. Like he's not a John Cooper. He's not a Jared Bednar and few are to be fair, but um, 
I I don't think, and it's not just John Hines. Like I'm to the point where I don't think Bill Guerin's the GM to get it done for a team going to the postseason either, because he took a team that had a clear cut, uh, clear cut opportunity to just take an honest step back and to evaluate everything, and he stuffed it with veterans, stuffed it with big hulking massive players that are slow that lack skill and propped it up with Vesna caliber goal attending. Once you take away that good goal tending, like these are all the same problems that have existed and have started to become more and more prevalent over the last couple of years. It's just, if you make like, if you make 95% of the saves, uh, you can cover up a lot of different things. If you don't, it's amazing how many of these issues um, have popped back up. Mike has us down for four, six, and one in February. Um, I am amending. I think I'm going to amend my prediction of four and seven to one and ten. One and ten, and the win was tonight. And so this is going to be just a. Bill Guerin can leave us for the uh, <laughs> USHL team. We're about to see the oldest Olympic team in history and the most former and current Penguins players. Probably, uh, probably not far off. Send Beanpot Boldy to Boston. Honestly, I think everybody on this team should be on the trade block with the exception of Brock Faber. Now, does that mean you move all of them? No, but um, does that mean you does that mean you move all of them? No, but you keep the possibility open. What happens if what happens if Vancouver next year offers you four first round picks, two first round picks? two top-level prospects, and an NHL-ready player for Jewel Erickson. Are you really going to say no to that? What happens if the New Jersey Devils offer you two NHL-caliber players, two prospects, and a first-round pick for Matt Boldy? Are you really going to say no to that? Like, you have to be... And this is, like... If I were a GM, let's let's get real here. Let's get real here to finish because we've hit the hour mark. It's almost it's almost 1 a.m. If I'm a GM, you can have a group that you build around, but you have to be willing to pivot. 
if things don't go well. You have to be willing to pivot. And they do this in the NBA all the time, where you have a... uh, you have your core, you have your core group, you give it one try. And if it doesn't work, you, uh, you turn and you pivot to something else. Yeah, we, okay. I'm going to address this because this is not the first time that this has been said. A lot of doom and gloom for a dub. What is the issue here is that you continue to call yourself a playoff team and you had to fight and claw to the end against a team that is actively trying to lose and is missing their generational talent in Connor Bedard. That's the issue. And I know the narrative is going to be, all right, we got one win, and now we're going to go back on a winning streak. We're going to get back into the postseason push, five points out of a playoff spot, That's the issue. That's the problem is that this game didn't do anything to accomplish anything serious for this team. There were fun, there were fun moments, but it was mostly a boring game. And it just is setting us up for the exact same thing that we've seen happen 10 times this season already. You're going to beat Eastern conference teams. You're going to beat teams that are below you in the standings. And when it comes to playing a team in the Western conference that you actually have to beat, you lose five to one. That's the problem. That is the thing that is annoying to me. Am I the only one who thinks coach Hines looks like pinhead Larry from Uh, and with that, yeah, the, the people on Twitter, the, the, my, my angst is mostly with Twitter for this. There's really nobody in here who has fallen to the level of thinking that the postseason is back on, but I deal with people on Twitter all the time who are like, if you just, if you just win six out of eight, all of a sudden you're in the driver's seat for a wild card spot. No, you're not. No, you're not. So that's where the issues come in. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, programming, programming note, regrettably, and this is why I've done as many episodes this week as I have. Regrettably, I am unable to work the Friday game due to work. And so we will not have a postcast after Friday's game. Mark Andre Fleury's uh, Mark Andre Fleury night at the X. This is one of the few times in which I'm not able to uh, to postcast, and so unfortunately, we will have nothing for you on Friday nights. We'll be back at it on Monday, but um, yeah, one of the few times we're still in the single digits in games that have not been covered in some capacity this year. But I still feel bad about it. Um, so postcast tonight, starting up next week, another great idea by Denny. We're going to do live shows. And with the fact that, uh, I will be at the X 
and at my parents' house over the uh, the President's Day weekend. We're going to do a live show Wednesday next week, and then we'll probably move them to Sundays after that. So everybody can, uh, can tune in for all of that. As Denny mentions, make sure to catch him on Beyond the Pond on Saturday to uh, fully lay out the Minnesota mess. So that's all I got for you. I'm, I'm tired. Um, 77-78, Wild lose on a shootout own goal. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to yet another Lockdown Wild postcast here tonight. Uh, make sure to hit the like button before you head out for the night. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already so you don't miss out on any new content throughout the week. The Minnesota Wild pick up a win, but uh, yeah, cool. Go uh, go do it again. Um, and don't claw your way through against the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, appreciate everybody hanging out here. And uh, we will catch up with you on a uh, new episode coming up tomorrow here on Locked on Wild. You can find new content every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on podcast network.